Welcome to the Shoulder Strikes MMA Podcast. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Welcome to the Shoulder Strikes MMA Podcast. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Shoulder Strikes MMA Podcast. Brought to you by the Hot Take Hot Box. Here on a on the Eve Eve of UFC 295 from Madison Square Garden. We are getting Yuri Prohashka making his return to 205 pounds and his return to the UFC after apparently they had to reattach his shoulder to his body. That's the way they made it sound. It, oh, the worst shoulder injury of all time. He's now back. He is fighting Alex pa- Pereira or Pajeda, whoever, whichever, if you ask Chael Sonnen. It's a little different, but that is the main event. We lost John Jones and Stipe Miocic, but I'll tell you what. We have a pretty good card still remaining with Sergey Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall hopping in in the co-main to kind of replace it. So, Ty, I am joined by Ty Capone. I did not even introduce you, but, Ty, I am I am fired up right now. Yeah, I'm excited. It's uh, it's our boy, the uh, Hot Take Hot Box, one of our Mount Rushmore uh, fighters, Sergey Sergey Pavlovich, also Benoit Saint-Denis. So we have a, a two-for-one special on this card. Um, our girls, Tabitha Ricci and Lupita Godinez, that should be a good fight. Uh, we got some flyweights. I can't wait for that. Joshua Van Kevin Borjas. That's going to be an underrated banger. We have bangers pretty much all across this card, honestly. Um, maybe there's going to be some snoozers, but uh, Roosevelt Roberts is getting back in there. Steve Ersteg, Diego Lopez, Pat Sabatini. That kicks off the main card. I love that one. I yeah. think we're gonna be. Uh, I think we're. I think we're gonna be uh, aligned on that one. I'm just gonna say that. Um, Mackenzie Dern. This is a huge, huge fight for her. I think it's probably a setup, or at least that's how they're looking at it. But uh, obviously, Andrade will not just fall to anybody. But she's lost three in a row, right? And they've all been in the year 2023. This is her fourth fight this year. Um, it's kind of actually, it's her fifth fight this year. She fought. Um, Lauren Murphy in January, Blanchfield in February, a couple more fights in the summer. And now she's back again. That, that doesn't seem good to me. Uh, she got finished in all three in three of her losses. And then she obviously should beat Lauren Murphy, but four fights in a calendar year, she's only 32, but she's again, three straight L's, two chokes and, uh, Jan Janan dusted her off with a right. So it can be interesting to see what Mackenzie Dern can do here. She needs, needs a big win. And uh, I think this might be a chance for her to, uh, you know, make that push towards a title shot. Well, and she needs to win for financial monetary reasons because she's still paying her ex, apparently. She made yeah. sure to tell everyone about that. So, uh, and apparently she's hey, lost her Brazilian accent. That's also a new It's gone? Uh, update. It's, yeah, it's, ba- it's gone Get the again. fuck out of here. I got to hear this. Hey, man, yeah, um, you got to have to. Listen, <laughs> in her post-divorce, if she needs a shoulder to cry on or, you know, somebody to, to roll with and spar with, no gi. I'm here for her, you know? Yeah. No, 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 gay, if uh, you know no. what I'm saying. But <laughs> let's get right into it, Ty. We have, it's very rare that we have two, like, uh, top of the card fights that are this close in odds wise. Usually, like, if we would have kept the original fight, it would have been, you know, Stipe at a plus 290, 300, yeah, 300 on, uh, on one of these websites to a minus 375, you know, 400. This one. We'll start just with uh, Alex Pereira and Yuri Prohoshka. We got plus 105 for Yuri to a favorite, you know, a, a slight favorite 
to Alex Pereira at a minus 122-125. Uh, this fight's very, very interesting. I think uh, obviously Alex is going to have the Alex. Uh, I believe is actually how you say it, but uh, Alex, Alex Pereira, Pereira, Pereira. You got to like it, it's hard to do. Pereira, Pereira, Poeton to uh, anybody who really <laughs> knows the man. Uh, listen, Yuri is going to. I imagine try and take him to the ground. That's what it sounded like. Yuri's not the kind of guy that's really going to hide his game plan or anything like that. He'll kind of just tell you what he thinks and what 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 he what his plan is or what he's going to do. I just uh, I don't know. I, this when you have fights like this that are right down the middle, it is hard to make a solid decision where you're like, oh, I feel really good about this on either side. I do. I, I just like Pereira, man. I I, I like his game. I think his takedown defense is good. I think his grappling from the back is good enough. And I don't think Yuri is going to be a Curtis Blades-esque wrestler or somebody like John Jones is going to be able to just lay on top of him and kind of just smother him and get a finish from from being on top. I, it's just not something we've seen from Yuri, especially since he's joined the UFC. It's kind of been all just wild you know, crazy fights since he's joined. He's really an unorthodox striker. And he, you know, he he did, he held his own against Glover, but uh, that that was a war, you know? It, it took him till the very end, and there was opportunities where he got hurt on the feet, and he was getting taken down, he was getting back up, but it's been a lot of just wildness. Uh, you know, it just only three fights in the UFC. The Volcon fight, the Dominic Reyes fight, it was just all kind of just hell on wheels, and as soon as it started... It was just wild. So you really just don't know if he's going to kind of hone it in here and maybe fight a more high IQ kind of condensed version of himself. But I'm not going to count on that. I like. I think Pereira is going to hurt him at some point, and I think he's going to get him out of there. But I just I'd like to hear what you have to say, honestly. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh, P- Pereira has double the amount of UFC fights that Yuri has. Just kind of crazy to think about. Um, the, the thing with me, with Alex, I, f- I feel like we didn't, nobody really loved how he looked in his debut at, at light heavyweight, but I think he might, you know, might've needed some time to kind of adjust. Um, I know he's naturally bigger, but. And that was know. fresh off getting knocked out. It was three months right. removed from getting very, flat-lined. very quick bounce back. And, you know, I, a lot of people are saying, well, I, you know, a, a lot of people think he lost. I'm like, yeah, I guess, but I think he won. Round two and three. I, I just – it was close. It was very close. But um, obviously I think Alex has been very lucky in his matchmaking and his just UFC run, right? He's gotten very favorable matchmaking and they've kind of um, rushed him to the top. But he's also just kind of gotten lucky, right? He kind of just moved into this 205 uh, title chance because uh, – largely because Magomed Ankalaev keeps fumbling the bag. Every time he fights, he just keeps doing something. He uh, gets into a draw with Blahovich was – terrible look uh last fight was an even worse look against johnny walker <laughs> yeah. um so you know he kind of blew his chance Erie got hurt jamal hill got hurt so alex Pereira just slides right on in and um honestly I'm, you know nobody's mad nobody's gonna complain about it um but i just it, it's it's a tough test i feel like we're gonna see we're not gonna see anybody really hold this belt you know even jamal hill when he comes back it's gonna be tough because that that injury he had was bad he's not the youngest fighter in the world um, Ankle Live ideally would be the guy who you know kind of holds down the division, but obviously again we've seen he's not really uh, capable of of being consistent in his 
all around game. So I, um, I think the shoulder injury really, really throws me off. I mean, he yeah. came back. Did he come back quick from it or just a look like <clears throat> regular um, time? Maybe I, I'd say it was regular. I think I, I don't okay. remember exactly when, uh, the, the injury itself was sustained, but he had a fight scheduled, right? Was he supposed to fight Jamal Hill or was it, he was supposed to fight Glover again. Yeah, he was yeah. supposed to fight Glover again in December. Last year. And, and that's when he got hurt. So I yeah. guess so I would assume a it's about a year. Yeah, so I, I mean, I imagine he's probably good to go. But it might – I mean, the way they made it sound, like he instantly gave the belt up, which was the you know the samurai thing to do. You, you wouldn't want to sit on a belt if you're a samurai. You want to give that right up. But uh, yes. yeah, I, I don't know. Are you, I'm going to have to ask him the, you know what the Bushido code on uh, UFC title fights <laughs> is. But – yeah, I I, I I don't like guys coming senior. off injuries. Uh, I never I never yeah. do. You never know what it's a it, when you're betting stuff like that. It, it, having a variable, an unknown, is not something that really makes you feel good. Yeah, and you know, combining the shoulder injury with his just durability issues, I think Erie can walk through some shit. I think he can survive bad spots, but he puts himself in too many bad spots. Uh, he has serious serious striking defense and durability issues. Um, he gives up 5.4 significant strikes per minute. He absorbs. That's that's a huge amount. I mean, he he doesn't even land that many more um, per minute than he, than he absorbs. His takedown accuracy is 100%. He's only one of one, I think, against Dominic Reyes. Also, he just came out and said that he was knocked out against Dominic Reyes from that up kick that he kind of landed on top of him. That's what he said, I believe. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of crazy that Dominic Reyes pretty much almost had had him out like bad twice in that fight, and then he came back. And smoked him. I, he's very active, and I think he has much better cardio here than than Alex. Yeah, um, and he has that wild man wrestling and grappling. Right? It's just it, it it's not really technical at all, but it, it works. He makes it work. Um, I mean, he didn't even have a hook in against Clover, and he um, I think he might have tapped him out due to exhaustion. Um, and I, you know, but still, you don't just tap Clover to share out. You know, what I mean, like if anything, you'd expect him to go to sleep. I mean, Glover Teixeira and Alex Pereira are kind of wrestling each other to the death in a fucking lake somewhere. You're like, what What are these guys doing? So, um, and speaking of Glover, he really has changed Alex's game, I think, all in all. Um, just, just as a complete MMA fighter since he worked with him in, what, 2020, I think he, he moved to Dansbury, uh, Danbury, Dan, is that what it's called? Uh, somewhere in Connecticut, uh, the home of Dana White. And, um, really? yeah, it's really worked. I mean, yeah, he's from... Uh, He's from CT. I, I'm pretty sure he claims Vegas, but um, you know the Michaelitis fight. He lost a round. He went to the second. Then he fought Bruno Silva. Went to distance. But ever since then, man, he's just kind of turned it up. And I think what you said about that quick turnaround after the Izzy loss was wasn't the best look. Um, and wasn't the best decision. And maybe that's the reason he looked a little un, uninspiring against Jan. Maybe that's why people thought he did lose some speed and he lost some power. Maybe he was just getting used to this division. Either way, I see he's got elite counters with elite power. Fights with his hands down. He relies on his head movement, but he also keeps his hands out so he can counter. Uh, I just think that's going to be huge. I think Yuri is, you know, he, he blitzes in. He throws a lot of random shit. He throws some looping shit, and he'll jump and spin and do all this. But I think Alex is just going to catch him coming in, and I think he's going to, you know, y- Yuri is is uh, reliant, I guess, on uh, being able to, to to be more durable and, and to take his best shots and then give his best shots and, and see if Alex can fold. But 
I think Alex is going to be the one to fold Yuri. I think Yuri is going down in this fight. The shoulder injury, the year-and-a-half layoff. Um, I think mentally they're both strong, as can be. I, you know, It's hard for me to, to get into either of these guys' minds. They're yeah. both fucking Psycho motherfuckers. But I think that's that's going to make a perfect, perfect match for this fight. I got Alex Pereira, money line. Um, you know, I want to should I go inside the distance. What do you think? What should we do here? See, I was just looking at it. I don't think there's value in the TKO because I, I mean, really, it's there, you know, there's a submission possibility, but you're gonna bet that he probably cleans him out and just kind of hurts him on the ground. Inside the distance is plus one hundred. TKO is around plus one twenty five. So, you know, yeah. I mean, really, if you're getting money line at minus one twenty. Then why wouldn't you just bet the money line? That's what I'm gonna do as well. I would, I'd love to bet like a TKO of some sort, or maybe you know inside the distance just to kind of get that extra little, like juice. But if it was like plus 150, 160, I would be all over it. I just don't think plus 120, 110 is enough. It's not really worth it. So, uh, we, yeah. me and Ty are gonna be on Pereira money line yes, minus sir. 120, and we are going to keep it moving. Now we have a interim heavyweight championship fight. Now Ty. Do you know how this is going to work? I mean, they're fighting for the interim title fight, but Stipe and John Jones are still going to fight whenever that is, whenever he John becomes healthy again. So I don't know exactly what this belt is for. I, I mean, I guess it's kind of they're going to get paid more, and it's just uh, something to slap a uh, you know a, a title around and just kind of be like, hey, this is a you know this is a thing. But I don't know. I don't. It doesn't really make much sense to me, given the fact that we know what's next for the real champion. Anyway, he's yeah. I, and like you said, uh, I think you said it uh, earlier on this episode or even the other day. Like it's just another division that John is kind of just holding up with, like <laughs> just, not even on purpose. I, I, you know, I can't blame him for this one. He was ready to go. He was training for this fight, and you know, his pec just blew, and all those steroids have finally started to erode his <laughs> body. But. Uh, we got Sergey Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall. If you really were going to make a replacement fight, I don't think they could have made a better one than this one. This is as uh, maybe the, to any of the casuals out there, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that just people who don't watch it as much as we fucking do. And I don't blame you because it's some you know like last week. It's a it's a it's a drag. It, it really sometimes it's yeah. really rough. But Pavlovich and Aspinall are probably the two most. Highly touted prospects in the heavyweight division, other than our boy Jalton Almeida, who just fought this past weekend, and we discussed his stock is down. And and last week's or the other day's episode, stock is down because stock is yeah. down all over the place at the UFC Sao Paulo, uh, you know, episode. So, what are the Lions side? We kind of talked about it. Really, just right down the middle, we have a minus 108, 105 for Sergey Sergey Pavlovich to Tom Aspinall's minus one twelve. 115, and it varies a little bit across these different websites, but it's basically around that given line. Uh, Tom Aspinall is a slight, slight razor-thin favorite here. They, uh, The bookmakers do not feel good about this one as well, and I do not blame them. You really just don't have enough. And similar, uh, they, I also did want to mention about the Alex Pereira fight, which I forgot to mention. I do think it's going to be a big factor that Glover fought Yuri, and he's going to have that, like, at least that knowledge, and it's not going to be the exact same thing, but he's, if anybody can give you the inside information that you need, it's going to be your coach who just fought this guy the last time he was out there. So, absolutely. They want to point that out. But 
what do you think about this fight? I know we kind of talked about this off air. Uh, you uh, you have a lean, a certain lean, and is against one of the patron saints of this great podcast. Yeah, I um, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go ask Paul here. I think I think he um, I think he's smart. I think he's quick and strong. And I think that kind of combination will will um, keep him on the outside. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to be able to, to come in and, and jab and then get out or throw a one-two and then get out or just stay. Uh, I would advise against staying in there and getting in a, a, a firefight with Sergey Pavlovich. I think the thing that people do, and I, I went back and watched all his fights, and uh, they're both 6-1 and in the UFC. Um, I think at Pavlovich started in 2018, fought goddamn Uberim, not even Overeem, Uberim. So that didn't go well for him. He did okay. Um, and then he fought a couple guys, dusted them off, and then he took a long time off. So we didn't see him between 2019, the end of tw- basically 2020, and um, all 2020, all 2021. And then he comes back against Shamil, smokes him, and obviously yep. we saw what he did to Lewis and Toivasa. Um, and then what he did to Blades was, was impressive. But I, I will say, in that Blades fight, he was getting hit. Now, it, it didn't matter. Uh, and Shamil, uh, the Shamil fight, it, it didn't matter also, and he was getting hit. But I will say, he... Um, he doesn't really care. He kind of is like, all right, you, you can hit me, but um, I, I'm coming after you. I'm, I'm, uh, he's, he's just a powerful pressure hammer is really what he is. You know, like really hard, hard to des- describe him as anything else. Um, I also forgot he was supposed to fight Cyril Gaon after that Maurice Green fight. That would have been, been something. He'd probably been a big, uh, big underdog. So yeah, wild. Um, tied for John Jones, longest reach. Uh, like I said, he can be hit often. Uh, and he's he, he's very heavy on his lead leg. I think that makes him open to leg kicks from a dangerous kicker, and that's exactly what Tom Aspinall is. Um, you know, he's powerful in a lot of ways, but he still kind of plods forward, right? He, it's just kind of his body type and how he fights. He just he, he's kind of a plotter, but you know, he's not like a Shamil Abdurakhmanov where he's you know not dangerous. He's um, he's scary, man. That that right uppercut comes in like a piston, very quick. He's got super quick hands. Doesn't really throw kicks. Uh, his wrestling is going to be his downfall, and that's why I am going to go with Tom uh, Tom Aspinall inside the distance. I think he's going to get him out of here. I, I want to take a sub, but I feel like he can, you know, I feel like he can knock him out on the feet. Uh, not what I would do. Uh, I think Tom is very smart. I think he knows where his bread is buttered, and I think he's going to try to take a, take him to the ground. Maybe I don't know. I don't know honestly with heavyweights. I think he's so confident in his boxing because obviously he has that boxing background. Um, I think he's just better everywhere, but he really has to watch leaning his head out and back uh, when he's in a striking exchange. I saw him do that a couple times, like uh, most notably against I think it was um, I think it was against Spivak. So it didn't matter um, at all. But still, something just something to notice because if he does that against against this guy, he's giving up uh, a couple inches of reach, six inches of reach. That's a lot, man. Like you know, if, if you're if you're just slowly walking backwards and, and Pavlovich is fucking hammering towards you like a juggernaut, he's going to hit you with one of those huge right hooks or uppercuts. Like it's going to happen, you know? And if you're just leaning your head back, I, I imagine your mouthpiece might fly into the 15th row. So he definitely has to watch that, but black belt jujitsu, that should be the major, major, like DJ Calton, major keeler. He should absolutely take him down here. And honestly, I once, if once, if he gets him to the ground, it's over. Absolutely over. There's no way Sergey can get up from this. Um, I think Tom's going to want to make it a little slow in the beginning, right? Just keep on the outside, throw some kicks, throw some jabs, maybe just clinch up, 
wear him down a little bit, try to wear on his gas tank. I mean, Sergey's gone five rounds, but not in the UFC. So I don't know how much cardio he truly has, right? Yeah. He seems like somebody that would cardio dump anyway. Um, so I think that's probably – I think Tom needs to drown this guy in deep waters, and I think he should. Uh, maybe it, maybe deep waters is just the first round. Uh, maybe it's not the second, third, or fourth or anything like that. But um, I think he's going to get him to the ground. I think he has, what, four subs. I know he knocks a lot of guys out, but again, that's a, that's that boxing background he has. Uh, if you remember the Jay Collier debut he made, uh, he, he smoked him with a nasty one-two. Again, I know it's Jay Collier. I, I get it, but that guy was one, was once a light heavyweight. So um, Tom Aspinall just moves and moves around like a, a welterweight, honestly. So I'm going to trust him. I think he has a ton of upside. I think he's smart. I think he's physically imposing. I don't think he's, you know... Aesthetically, doesn't seem as strong or powerful as Sergey Pavlovich, but I think he is. Honestly, I think he has quick hands too, and um, a bunch of different kind of kicks. Some kicks up the middle. I, I would be. Hopefully, he throws more. I, I've noticed in Tom's fights, he hasn't thrown as that many kicks, but a couple here, and that's that's huge distance control against a guy with an 84 inch reach and just a fucking nuke of a right hand. So I'm not going to say Sergey is right hand or bust, but kind of feel like he is. You know, uh, he gets Tom Aspinall hurt. It's probably curtains, but. I got Tom Aspinall inside the distance. I think he's going to do it in one or two rounds. Wow. So you get Tom Aspinall inside the distance at minus 105, uh, according to yeah. DraftKings at this time. So who knows where that, that line will move. I would probably jump on that uh, ASAP. I am going to go Sergey Pavlovich TKO, and I am going to count on the fact that Pavlovich fought a guy like Curtis Blades, You know, and Curtis was not able to necessarily get him to the ground. And did not feel comfortable. I think the size of Pavlovich, it kind of alarms people when they fight him. So I think that's it's just going to be like I think you're right. Like if he does get him to the ground, then it's probably over. And I just think he's not he's gonna have his way with him. But yeah. that's a six inch reach advantage. And I, I do think though for uh, to kind of help your case out, it's the movement of Aspinall is going to be huge. I think he is very explosive and the and his Lateral, uh, left to right, even getting in and out of the uh, pocket is very, it's huge. So I think he's going to attack those leg kicks early on, and then eventually it's going to draw Pavlovich to kind of do some stuff that he's not comfortable with, maybe moving forward and maybe overextend himself and wind up going to the ground. I think the longer this fight goes, the better it is for Aspinall. But I just think, I think Pavlovich is going to is going to catch him, and I think it's going to be bad. And uh, I just, I can't. I, I think I faded him before, and I vowed to, that I would never fade him again until he lost. So I think we both said that, said that but unfortunately, yeah, I'm I, maybe the our Curtis Blades here. night. I think was the the night we actually faded him. So I just got to I got to believe he gets it done here. And uh, but this is like I don't think if you like you said like you just to pick Aspinall. I don't think you're wrong. I, I this is a fight where I don't think you can really go wrong here because I I truly don't know what's going to happen. It can kind of go either way. So. It's tough, but that's why they pay us the big bucks here to excuse me, yep. make make a huge pick. So how about Jessica Andrade and Mackenzie Dern? I I don't like when they do this. We talked about this where they just kind of throw a, a ladies fight up here that's just they're like just because it's a ladies fight, but nobody really cares about Jessica Andrade anymore. I mean Mackenzie Dern still has a little bit of um respect, I guess, in the uh MMA world. And Jessica Andrade is still dangerous, but after watching her get flatlined by Yan uh, Nan, and then she gets guillotined by Tatiana, so she's got three losses in a row. Again, 
not to, you know, slouches or bums. She's losing to Aaron Blanchfield and Yanjel Nan and Tatiana Suarez. Three just killers. But still, it's not a good look. And Mackenzie Dern, she is coming off of a, I believe it was a closer sort of fight against Angela Hill. It, not really, but it went to decision. I remember being a little bit upset about that. And she also has a loss to Yanjel Nan, but she did not get flatlined. So, Ty, I guess I'll ask you first. What your thoughts on this fight are. Before I do that, I will give you the line at plus 170 for Jessica Andrade to a Mackenzie Dern at minus 198, minus 210. Uh, with this being only a three-round fight, I don't feel good about betting this at all. And I don't know what I uh, what uh, you know prop or what I would even take here. Yeah, I guess uh, newly single Mackenzie Dern might be a different animal. Um, you know, her, her strike totals against Jan Janan completely flipped when she fought Angela Hill. Um, you know, Angela Hill much worse, but still a vet and still somebody that people, uh, including myself, for some reason, bet on and predicted would have her way with Dern. And right out of the gate, Mackenzie Dern rocked her, knocked her down, hurt her. Uh, she got a couple takedowns. I think she was three of nine. Yeah. Let's see this official total. It's not loading. Yeah, three of, uh, three of nine. Uh, you know, 49-43. To get one of those scorecards... You really, uh, you really must have dogged this girl, and she did. So, especially in that fifth round, that was brutal. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think her striking's improving. You know, working with Jason Perillo has paid off. She's always somebody that had power, but never really had technicality in her striking. I think that's starting to catch up a little bit. And again, her wrestling, you know, still not great. I think her takedown accuracy is fifteen percent, but it was just in the single digit. So, baby steps. We're getting there. Um. Obviously, you know, when she gets a, a hold of anybody, they're in trouble. And I think Jessica Andrade is, is, is going to be in a world of trouble. And we, we've seen it before with her. She just looks lost in grappling exchanges. And whenever it doesn't really work doesn't really work out in her favor, she just gives up. You know, she doesn't even care. She doesn't even try to get out of submissions. That rear naked choke, uh, that Aaron Blanchfield had her. And she said, yeah, you, you can have it. I don't, I don't, I'm good. I'm getting out of here. She just checks out. It um, also happened when she fought. What's the name? The fuck was her name? That old chick. Way back in the day. Marion Renault. She got put in a triangle and she she said, Yeah, I'm good. I don't want to be I don't want to fight out of this. I'm good. You know, somebody that slams people in their face for a living and one of one of the best uh finishes, one of the best wins was when she slammed Rose right in her head. Um but she just doesn't really have any uh any give to her. You know, she she can definitely out she can definitely hurt you and her striking is very powerful, but man, she gets hit a lot too. Like you know, I think if Mackenzie Dern throws straight shots, I think she can definitely negate some of the looping shots Andrade throws. And also, Andrade's small. You know, I know she's strong, but 5'1", 62-inch reach. You know, I think the game is really just catching up to her. Honestly, I think uh, she's been in a lot of fights, especially this year. She's an old 32. Uh, I would I would Very old 32. Because, I mean, 36 professional fights. Yeah. Uh, Mackenzie Dern is, like I said, since she got a divorce, it seems like she has a fire under her. And uh, she's you know starting to really round out her game. Um, how old is Mackenzie? I think she's like 30. Yeah, this is right in her fucking prime. I know she's only two years younger, but again, uh, the, the experience, she has not been in wars. She's never been knocked out. She's never been submitted, right? So um, I'm trying to see, actually, has she ever been knocked down? Let's see. No, never. Oh, she wow, she was. Okay. Her first fight against Ashley Yoder, she got knocked down. So she's Jesus really come a long Christ. way. <laughs> Yeah, to get to go from getting knocked down to, against Ashley Yoder to you know beating the fuck out of Angela Hill, who's like top three all time in the UFC history of uh, uh, significant strikes landed, which reminds me of a stat I meant to bring up for the last fight, but 
Shortest average fight time in UFC history is Tom Aspinall, and number three is Sergey Pavlovich. So wow. Just, just something to notice if you want to ha- hammer the under half a round. Terrence McKinney, fourth. Ronda Rousey, sixth, just in case you were curious. Um, so, yeah, I think you know the world-class jiu-jitsu is going to – it's going to show itself at some point. I, I don't know when, because again, it's, it's she, sometimes she just struggles getting getting it to the ground, and sometimes she'll pull guard, and that's how she lost to uh, um, Amanda Hibas, right? That's how she lost parts of the Marina Rodriguez fight, uh, or not the Marina, the Jan Janan fight. So, I, I the Andrade Fade train has been very, very popular, and very, very good to a lot of people. I'm going to continue with that. I'm going to take. Mackenzie Dern, and uh, I'm going to take her to win by TKO in the first 30 seconds of round one, plus 12,000. I'm kidding. Um, I just saw that line. I was like, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is not – I mean, it's not going to happen, but it's like, why not? It's like better than betting a 17-leg parlay. Yeah, absolutely, right? So um, I'm going to take Mackenzie Dern by sub, plus 115. I think she's going to get back into the submission category. Uh, the last time she got a finish by submission was Nina Nunez by armbar, and I think we were all over that one, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's do it. Let's let's keep fading, fading Bate, Bate, Estaca. All right, I'm struggling here. So, Plaza Azteca is no. I'm just kidding. Uh, so I guess I'll, I'd ask you, Ty. You're, are you worried that she could get chipped up on the feet by Jessica Andrade? Uh, a I little mean, bit. That's what I mean, concerns me. That's what stops me from really like confidently betting this. I think she's more inclined to get knocked out brutally than shipped up. I know that doesn't sound more encouraging. I know what you're but saying, I'm saying like you know, it's, it's, it's not, not going to be, be cumulative. Some, no, it's not going to be like what she did to Angela Hill. It's going to be more like what you know Jessica Andrade has done to people before. But um, you know, when's the last time Jessica Andrade knocked somebody out? Cynthia Calvillo a while yeah. ago. So, you know, she couldn't even finish Lauren Murphy. I know she beat the brakes off her, but, like, you know, that's an old trailer park Lauren Murphy that you got to really just take out and finish, and she couldn't. So, um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride with Mackenzie Dern. That's a wild analogy. <laughs> <reality. laughs> hey, listen, she had, she, had some, uh, she had some heat for me before on Twitter, so I'm just returning the favor, uh, even though I was the one who started that exchange also. But... Well, wait, tell uh, me I, about that. What I, I, as I stare at as I stare at Dylan Brooks staring at LeBron on the TV. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I tweeted her before, and I think she replied to me and said some some crazy shit on my old account. I just forget what I said. Um, <laughs> you probably deserve. You're probably like you bum. I probably did. <laughs> I, I probably called her some things. Um, go but, to sleep, you bum. <laughs> go to sleep, you trailer park. Tra- no. Um. Uh. Yeah. So I got Mackenzie Dern. I think I'm confident in her. She's strong herself. So. I'm uh, I'm pretty confident she's gonna get it done. My boy Dave got blocked by Stefan Struve because he said like, uh, <laughs> what, "Who needs Nyquil when uh, you know you, you have Stefan Struve fighting? He just goes to sleep every five seconds, and he blocked him immediately." <laughs> That's crazy. Like, oh, it, That's a flex. Yeah. Well, blocked I mean, by Stefan Struve. Come on. Exactly. Some French guy, some seven foot French guy. You just got blocked by because you're talking shit about him. But great shit. I love Twitter. Uh, it's still. I've been blocked by so many people I can't even keep track of it at this point. It's back in my back in my heyday I used to get blocked all the when I was in high school. <laughs> oh you man. You just fire off the craziest shit and they would just block you yeah. immediately. One time Nicki Minaj had her, her, her fan base attack me for a whole I remember month that month straight. I, I remember was like, that. Yeah, that's that's not good. So. I looked at one of your tweets and it had like a hundred replies. I was like, Oh my god, like what yep. is 
what's going on here? People are like, I'll, I'll like find it. out where you live. You're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Nice, uh, nice crimson shit, you fucking loser. I'm like, oh, my shit's not even that big. What are you talking yeah, about? What? But just her full shit. You know, like, it looks like somebody hit you with a frying pan, dude. I'm like, all right. You're like, okay, Barb Queen for life, uh, 96. Yeah, 69. Yeah, go fuck 96. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm not going to take anything there. I think it maybe, I think I might be with you on that in my private life, but on here, I don't know if I feel good enough to maybe, maybe I'll double back and uh, bet that later on in the uh, night. But this, this fight right here is, uh, you know what the people's main event main event. Yeah. I mean, I would say so. It's just the kind of the banger blood, blood guts, violence, uh, main event of the night, which is the steamroller. Matt Frivola is getting back in there against the God of War, Benoit Saint-Denis. Now, Ty, this is scary. This is scary for both guys because it's, it's, you know, these are two kind of uh, immovable forces just kind of racing into each other. It's like two trains about to collide, and one of these people is going to win. And I... I would imagine is, is when I say this, it's always like an automatic that it goes to decision. But I do not see this fight going to decision. It's it just seems like that is the like there's going to be violence and murderous intentions for all people involved. Benoit Saint Denis is a big favorite here. I am I mean considerable for what what you would think minus two twenty five two thirty uh, as high as two fifty on some websites to a plus one ninety one eighty five. For Matt Frivola, I like Benoit Saint Denis in this one. I think he finishes him, but I would ask you what you think. Uh, I wanted to take a, a shot on the steamroller so bad. I wanted to fade both of the patron saints, but I was like, I can't do that. So um, I really wanted to because I think this is a bit of a, a high line, right? Yeah, I agree. But I will say, I will say, Benoit Saint Denis is on a fucking heater ever since that Eliza Zaleski fight. And, um, I think even in that Zaleski fight, in like the last round, Benoit was 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 there, right? He was he was hanging in there. So um, he's a dog. He's you know he's got that aggressive pace. He smothers and just breaks guys with strong wrestling, submission grappling, good cardio, even with that aggressive style, and just neutralizing kicks and neutralizing forward pressure. I'm not even talking about the Gabriel Miranda fight, but that Tiago Moises fight was just a one sided mauling right i outstruck him 101 to 24 took him down five times it was just that was it that was all that was all she wrote and ismail bonfim did well while he could and then that was you know took a took a crazy left turn nicholas yeah. stolze remember him he's uh i think he's in ksw now this weekend or lfa next week i forget what i saw him i just saw him on something so you know benoit sandini does some bad things to people four finishes a row in a row uh, Matt Favola, though, man, the steamroll ever since he got uh, you know floored in like seven seconds by McKinney, he's got three finishes in a row, all in the first round, all KO, TKO, two one-shot, uh, one-hitter quitters, Drew Dober and uh, Azaitar, and then the Gennaro Valdez fight, he knocked him down like six times, I think. So, um, yeah, six knockdowns in his last three fights after those, uh, those two losses. Remember he beat Jalen Turner, out-wrestled him. That was a very good win that's aged well, even though Jalen Turner is a bit of an inconsistent guy. Um, he's, he's like a, a, a grinder, Matt Favoli. He's just a grinder. He's got good wrestling, powerful striking, loves to bang. Right? He, he hasn't got a takedown since the Luis Pena fight after the Jalen Turner fight. So it's like once that Sarukian fight happened, he's like, fuck this. I'm just going to brawl with everybody uh, is what it seems like. 
he's a hustler. He just hustles. He's very experienced, right? He's been there with a bunch of guys. He's lost. He's won. I mean, he got he got smoked. He got one hitter quittered by Marco Polo Reyes. Remember that back in the day? And, um, that, you know, bad loss. Bad, bad, bad loss. And then he fought Lando Venata to a draw. Like I said, he's, he's turned it around. So, um, also, if you looked him up, uh, Look him up on Instagram. He's um, he's on all the all the Flintstone vitamins. It looks like so he's in tremendous shape. Just really rounding out his all around game, uh, physically and mentally. It seems like. Um, so I just don't know the idea man, of that guy eating like chalky ass Flintstone vitamins and him just becoming just a unit <laughs> off of it is just cracking me up over here. <laughs> but you know, his take down accuracy isn't great, but he he goes for it. He gets it. Um, he goes for some subs. But it, I just he's smaller than Benoit, right? I think that's going to play a factor here. I think Benoit is going to wear him down, but I don't know, man. It's, it's something I'm going to stay away because of the line. It's it's one I'm going to look just sit down, watch, and uh, hopefully enjoy. Hopefully, this is going to be as I see James Harden highlight him throw a ball to the 15th row. Um, we might see one of these guys get knocked into the 15th row. I like both of them. I love Matt Favola. Yeah, uh, apparently a really good dude from. Uh, I don't know who it is. I don't know who it was that I think it's a podcast that knows him pretty well, or um, one of the barstool guys knows him really well. I forget, but he seems like a really cool dude. I think he was on the um, room service diaries couch with Brian Campbell and Luke Thomas. And I think they had a really awesome conversation with him. He just seems like a cool dude, somebody to really root for. And when, when he fights the way he does, how could you not? Right. Especially at one fifty five. So, uh, my pick here is going to be Benoit Saint-Denis. I think he's going to wear him down. Those those body kicks are fucking lethal. And he comes out as soon as the fight starts. He does not waste it. Ne- neither of them do. They both come out right as soon as the glove touch, and then it's like, all right, who, who's going down first? So I, I will say with the times that we've seen um, uh, Matt Frivola put down, you know, Marco Polo Reyes knocked him down twice, not just once. Um, and obviously McKinney – all it took was one shot seven seconds in. So I will say that is an issue that, that could creep around. Benoit, you know, he took an absolute lifetime beating against Zaleski, but he never went down, which is insane. Yeah. So I think that might be the, the the X factor. Who can take the other guy's best shots? And I think Benoit can. And even I think he might be able to work in the wrestling a little bit better. I think he might be stronger. Um, and kind of, you know, that chaotic pace might be a little too much for the steamrollers. So I'm going to go Benoit. Uh, and you're not putting it on the card, though. No, I was thinking about inside the distance or something, but I'm just going to stay away and you know, hopefully I'm all all gummied up by this time of the night and uh, I'm ready to roll. Inside the distance is minus one fifty, which I think is a yeah. little wild, but I do it I is. understand why because this I I honestly like the under the under one and a half is probably not a bad bet, but that's just not it's a little too quick for me. These got you know I think Benoit's durable. He's shown he's durable. I think. Frivola is just not as durable. Not to say he's not durable, but it's just the, it's a different level with Benoit. So uh, I think this fight will mainly be contested on the feet because I think, like you mentioned, their, ra- their wrestling and their grappling will kind of equal each other out. I don't think they're really going to try and go that avenue to t- maybe tire themselves out potentially. So I am going to go BSD. That is Benoit Saint-Denis to anyone out there who's not a fan. TKO plus 180. Uh, I think that's a good number, and I think, like you said, I think he's eventually just going to wear on Matt Frivola, and the pace that he fights at, the forward pressure, and just the violent nature in which he fights is just going to add up and get Frivola out of there at some point. So uh, I, I can't not bet Benoit Saint-Denis, so there you go. Uh, here is a, a man that I 
I follow, or he follows me on Instagram, but Ben, or not Benoit. Uh, I wish Benoit did follow me. Shout out to Benoit. I hope you, if you're listening, please follow me. But give us a follow, yeah. Come uh, on. Pat Sabatini, he's fighting Diego Lopez. This is a dangerous, dangerous matchup for honestly both guys. It, 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 this is a this is tough for me though, Ty. I gotta say this is tough because my instinct right away is to bet Diego Lopez. All I right, think. Well, my my instinct is not. Oh, so really? Let's do it. Let's hammer our boy, Pat Sabatini. Let's tell, do it. Tell me why. Um, well, I think I think Pat Sabatini should be undefeated. I think the one loss he has, I think it was kind of a, uh, you know, the universe wanted to help Damon Jackson in his time of grief. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that. Yeah. Uh, probably a hot take and a conspiracy, but I'll just put my conspiracy hat on. But since then, he looked great against Almeida. And I, th- I just think his, his style is... He has a, a game plan neutralizing wrestling style is, is, is how I look at it, right? I think Diego Lopez has super, super dangerous submission grappling. But the problem is he plays guard and he gives up takedowns and, and he can kind of be late on. Uh, I think we saw that a lot in the uh, Evloev fight. I know it's Mozart Evloev, but Evloev and Sabatini have high-level jujits and grappling in general. Uh, and Sabatini's got awesome wrestling. He's been clipped a lot, Pat Sabatini. It seems like he gets clipped a decent amount. So I kind of have issues with his chin. I think he's a bit chinny. Uh, he only has one knockdown. He's been knocked out twice. Um, even in that Jamal Emers fight, Jamal Emers went for a toe hold to try to reverse out of a heel hook. That didn't work. Um, so I think I, I just, we, we haven't seen much of Diego Lopez, right? He fought Joe Anderson Brito on the contender series, a, a stud. He went for a bunch of submissions off, off his back. Couldn't get it. Lost a, an easy, 30-27 decision. Fought Mozart Evloev. You know, he had him in trouble a couple times, but lost an easy 30-27, 29-28 decision in that one. And the Gavin Tucker fight, we didn't get to see much out, you know, much happen at all. There was no strikes landed, no significant strikes at all. Um, and Gavin Gavin Tucker doesn't have the the grappling pedigree that Pat Sabatini With has. All Very world class. Yeah. Yeah. He does. Um, I was gonna I thought they fought him him and Pat, but they did not. So um I just think Pat can can kind of Again, neutralize the wrestling. Stay out of those subs. Stay away from the subs. I mean, dude, heel hooking somebody is, is impressive to do. He he knows what he's doing in there. He knows what he has to look for. He's not a fucking idiot, right? He knows exactly what Diego Lopez is going to bring. And I think Diego Lopez has some 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 sneaky power on the feet. But I just don't think that striking that he has will be the X factor to win this fight that he kind of needs it to be. I got Pat Sabatini money line here. Uh, I think he's rightfully lined as the favorite. I, I, was, I was wishing he was the dog, but... I think odds makers, they're smart, right? They're smarter than, than me, that's for sure. So I'm going to i am gonna take a shot at Pat. I have been hurt by him before when I bet Jamal Emers, but that was my fault. So give me Pat Sabatini money line. I think his wrestling, I think his game plan. Uh, he is a little smaller, so I think maybe you know he can kind of duck out or duck under some big shots that Diego Lopez throws. Um, and I think he can kind of use his, uh, I guess, smaller limbs, not by much, but I think he can use those as a way. Like if he was like 6'1", I think he might get his arm caught in like an arm bar, but um, in this case, I think he's gonna be fi- I think he's gonna be fine. I think he's gonna use some of that aggressive submission hunting that Diego Lopez does. I think he can use that to his advantage. Maybe take the back. Maybe just get into an advantageous position on the ground. Maybe get some ground and pound off. I know that's a problem with Sabatini before. We haven't seen it. You know, he's. I mean, look at all the strike totals in his fights. You know, they're not very high, but. Um, that's fi- that's fine. He's a wrestler, and I think he's gonna use his wrestling here. I think he's gonna get a uh, get it done. Yeah, I think the smothering uh, wrestling style that he possesses is a is going to be a factor here. I 
I do worry that he could get caught in, in a submission from the bottom. I've seen him get his arm basically snapped out of uh, out of place by a James Gonzalez in CFFC, which was pretty wild. It was kind of a freak thing, yep. but he got, he got caught in an arm bar by just taking him down and just hanging around and he got caught in a, a wild ass uh, sort of so, like you know grappling transition. So that is the concern for me. I am going to take money line with you though. I can't. Uh, you you kind of explained it well. And Diego Lopez, as exciting as he is, I think Pat's going to be smart enough and know. I mean, we we have a not not a ton of tape on this guy, but enough. you saw what he did to Evloyev, and uh, Evloyev. I think the reason mainly that that happened was. It was a late notice sort of replacement. He wasn't really. He was kind of like overlooking him. Yeah, I Excuse agree. Me, I almost just threw up on the mic, but uh, he didn't have. <laughs> he didn't have like a lot of respect for him. So when you know that that happens, and he's throwing up all these crazy submissions, and the only thing I worry about is I don't know how great we haven't really got to see at the UFC level how great his striking is. So if yeah. he comes out there and starts throwing these teep kicks, and he's able to kind of fight the takedown off, then I, I worry, but. Uh, also, you are right. He was supposed to fight Gavin Tucker. He fought Tucker Lutz as well. So there's a lot of Tuckers a lot of talks, involved yeah. in uh, Pat Sabatini's John Tucker Must Die. So, uh, yeah, uh, and that is the main card for this UFC event. We are going to keep it moving to the prelims. We have an Alessandro Costa, Costa who came out and got uh, eliminated by Amir Albazi, and I believe which was his UFC debut. He also had a elimination of a Carlos Gomez at, in Lux Fight League, which was wild. But uh, he also just uh, sent Jimmy Flick to the retirement home, but not exactly. So right back to the retirement. Yeah, right back or to maybe the retirement. He's not home, in but Jimmy he Flick, left. no, Jimmy Flick is fighting. He has a fight lined up in uh, January, I believe. I saw that when uh, I was looking up the uh, future card. That's, so that's not good. It's not good at all. But uh, Steve Ursig is who he's fighting, and Steve Ursig is a guy who. You look at his tapology picture and you think, what is this uh, guy who just, you know, not to steal a line from Chael Sonnen, this guy who just left the methadone clinic. Why is he getting into the, why is he fighting? What's going on here? I mean, how does a 5'8 guy make 125 pounds? Well, listen, that guy in his, I believe, UFC debut fought David Dvorak and he looked awesome. He had all around game. He did not finish David Dvorak, but he, he beat the shit out of him. He beat him up pretty good. And lost yeah. me some money, so I have to respect that gentleman from now on. And I will give you the odds uh, as I see them. Alexander Costa Costa is plus one sixty five to Steve Ursegs minus two hundred, as high as to maybe a minus one ninety five is probably the lowest you can get of that. So uh, I like Urseg here, and I'm going to try and bet him to get a finish. But I, I don't feel good about this. Well, if it makes you feel any better, this is late notice for Alessandro Costa. Even better. So I think that might be able to play in his in his in his favor. He's been knocked out twice, Amir Albazi and back in the day against Uriel Cosio, whoever that feller is. I feel like this line might be a bit of an overcorrection for Ursay. I mean, he was just minus one twenty like a couple of days ago, I swear. I saw it. I was like, Oh, okay, small, you know, slight favor. Now he's what, minus two hundred? You said something like that. Mi- minus yeah, two hundred, yeah. Yeah, so, he opened you know, up at uh, minus one sixty five, so it's yeah, it's moved a lot. So he got he got steamed a little bit. Um, I think he's just a more active guy, especially after round one, and he's got awesome scrambling. He's got you know really good long man grappling. Um, he's not physically imposing, but he's very smart, I guess, with just how he uses his his frame. 
in general, I'm, I'm very impressed by. He definitely looks like a veteran, like wise beyond his years. I know he only has, what, 11 fights right now? Yeah, 11 fights, and he's only 28. Uh, Alessandro Costa is, what, 27 with 16 fights, but um, a lot of finishes. Um, when he was on the Contender Series, was it Contender Series fight? Yeah, he was in a very close close fight. When I watched that, I was like, ah, I'm not sure about this guy. Uh, that's why he needed a fight over there in Lux against uh, Carlos Gomez, former outfielder. Um, so, yeah, and, and the guy he fought in the Contender Series, I don't think that fellow is really, yeah, okay, never mind. He's won two in a row. So we might see Mr. Andres Luna Martinetti in the UFC soon. Watch out for that feller. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like Ursig. I was very uh, surprised by him. And I, I think Costa taking this on late notice, I think he might be early sub or bust. Um, he has some knockout power. He has some good low kicks. Um, and it, it seems like he hits hard, but I just don't know, you know, striking is not his best means to, uh, a win, but I, I do think trains with Diego Lopez. Very good. He's got, he's, he's kind of patient, maybe low volume, I guess you'd say, um, which kind of worries me against Steve Ursa cause he's quite different than that. Um, he's kind of just, you know, very sporadic. So I'm going to take Ursig. I like, I, I might. I might lean to him getting his first, I guess it would be his second TKO victory. Um, his first in the UFC and his, you know, first in a long time. Uh, also, he has an amateur loss to Dennis Bondar. I did not know that, Mr. Ursag. So, yeah, this is going to be a big fight. Both of them are still young in their careers, and I don't know which way to kind of lean. So I'm going to pick Ursag. Maybe he gets a sub, maybe a, like something late where he just wears on Costa and Costa just taps or just taps the strikes or whatever the fuck. But uh, maybe a decision. Either way, I got Ursig winning this one. He's staying off the card, though. Yep. I'm going to go on the card. I'm going to take Ursig inside the distance. I just looked it up on FanDuel. It's plus 195. I don't know if you can get it anywhere better uh, right now. I don't have it on Best Fight Odds. Shout out to Best Fight Odds for letting me down here. But I'm also seeing on some of these people talking about it that you're right. They had There was a Steve Ursig at like minus 120 on here. Uh, yeah, just like a Who day got ago. That? Shout so, out to you. Yeah, I don't know where they're getting these lines from. I would love to have these European books that you people are betting on, but uh, yeah. So I'm gonna go Steve Ursig minus or plus one ninety five for inside the distance. And like you said, I think he's just gonna. How, do you know how late of notice he took this on? Um, not that late. I mean, because I know Matt Chanel pulled out a little bit ago, but I'm not. I don't remember what when exactly eight days, eight days? so that's enough yeah. to for me to feel good about yeah, that. So, yeah, it, it's and what is this at one twenty five? So we'll see if he I'm even sure, makes weight. This might be the fight right. that. Uh, yeah, this is the one, the one we were talking about before the pod started. Um, you know, Costa's probably been in camp with Lupi and Diego Lopez, but this is a bit different, right? Being in camp is different than being in a fight camp, in my opinion. I, for what I mean, I don't know shit, but just from what I have uh, figured and what I've seen. Uh, in, in the past, you know, guys that are coming on on short notice or late notice, you know, they don't really have the best results. So, I I agree with everything you just said. So we keep it moving. We have a, I mean, you want to talk about a female ladies, just absolute. What wh- what a great job at matchmaking the UFC's done. This is the Super Bowl of women under five two. Tabitha yeah. Tabitha <laughs> Baby Shark Ricci is getting in there against Lupi Lupita Godinez. Uh, I don't I don't have the odds right in front of me. Here we go. Minus 180, 175 for Loopy to Tabitha's plus 150, 145. Uh, I don't know if I like anything here. 
I'm just very excited to watch this fight play out. I think Lupi is going to have the better. I mean, she will be the better striker, but I don't know. Like, I I don't know what the number or what we could bet here to really make any money because you look at some of the props and whatnot. It's you know, Richie TKO is plus two thousand. Uh, Richie by submission is plus eleven hundred. Godinez submissions plus eight fifty. Uh, her TKO is plus seven fifty. You know, inside the distance is plus four hundred. So it's like, what do we really do here? And decision is, you know, decision because it's you're not going to make any money. Plus one ten. So <laughs> really, they don't know how this fight's going to go down. I guess I ask you, Ty. Do you know how this fight's going to go down? Yeah, this is this is a pants at the ankles kind of fight. If you know what I'm talking about, Jesus right? Christ. So. Uh, both women go for arm bars or have an arm bar. I think both women are going to try to get that sub. I think Tabitha Ricci, I think, is going to go for an arm bar. And I think uh, Loopy's going to go for like a rear naked choke, get that, get, you know, get a back take. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. They're so similar, right? Yeah. They're, they're just a Brazilian and a Mexican version of each other. I think Loopy has like solid boxing. You know, it, it's okay. It, it, it works. I think it's much better than Tabitha Ricci's boxing, but, you know, it's not great. Uh, I think she might. She yeah. Uh, they land about the same strikes per minute, but Loopy absorbs less, and uh, Loopy is much more accurate as a puncher. So I think you know they. Well, they have very similar takedown accuracy. Uh, they have similar numbers in general. They're like I said, very similar fighters. I think uh, you know Loopy's good when she mixes in her takedowns, but the problem, I, the the main problem I have with Loopy Godinez is sometimes she just looks lost. She looks like she has no idea what to do. You know. Not even that her plan A isn't working, but she just doesn't even have a plan A. She's just kind of in the cage off of vibes. In her debut against Jessica Penne, it was like, all right, what what are we doing here? Like, you know, she got a couple takedowns, but then she just uh, got herself in in trouble. When she fought Luana Carolina, I, I didn't know what the plan was in that fight. That was bad. Like, she got a couple takedowns, yeah, but she didn't do anything with it. Got outstruck easily, didn't really, just didn't look like she knew what she was doing. Uh, and then she comes back two good wins, but you know, uh, Ariana Carnalosi, a, a huge, just fraud. And then Angela Hill fight. I thought it was kind of close. Loopy did pretty well, but you know, even in that, uh, Cynthia Calvillo fight, she just, she had a win and she just fucking blew it. So she did look good at, against Dakota and she did look good against Elise Reed, got the finish finally. Um, so I think she should win this. And it seems like everybody and their mother is on Loopy Godinez. I just don't see it with Tabitha Ricci. Like, you know, she has the Brazilian jiu-jitsu background, but she has defensive issues. She has gas tank issues. There's been multiple round threes where she's uh, just not performed well against Maria Oliveira, of all people. Pollyanna Viana also yeah. uh, were chipping her up in the third round. Um, you know, she, decent volume on the feet. I think she might have a little bit more volume than Loopy, but it, it's, not, it's not anything great. It's not anything troubling. Uh, she does throw some low kicks that are pretty solid, but nothing, you know, her, her, her boxing isn't great. Um, she has pretty good wrestling, but just very one-dimensional with uh, not really any finishing upside. So uh, I will say she has been using wrestling more and more since that since that debut, right? I mean, five takedowns, five takedowns, four, three, um, since she fought Menon Fira, which that fight should have never been made. I mean, that was just, that was just bad. But, yeah, that was bad. Yeah, absolutely. That was like when, what's his name, uh, uh, Conejo, Montserrat Conejo fought. Um, Wasn't that like a Mandalamos or something? Yeah. <laughs> I what, mean, you know. What the fuck are we doing? Yeah, like. Yeah, I had a main alumnus round one, so thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I think Loopy's going to get this done. I 
I just I don't know. Probably a decision, right? I think loopy loopy decision is the play here. So I'm going to take loopy by decision. That is going to be a plus one fifteen shot. I like that bet. I I bet. I think I bet Loopy decision the last time out against Elise, and she got the finish. Yeah, so that's me too. We both did. Yeah, molded her. So do you don't think that she could get uh, Tabitha out of here? That's what I'm worried about. I think she might be able to, but Tabitha has a very good defensive uh, wrestling and jujitsu grappling, whatever you want to say. Game, you know, she's very offensive too. She can sweep you a little bit. She can. She's not very big, but she's kind of strong. She she got a she's got a strong lower half. I'll say about Tabitha Ritchie. Yeah, Her lower body's thick. Um, so I think she might be able to muscle out or you know finesse her way out of some some back takes. You know, maybe uh, get. I think it's gonna be a nice couple of scrambles in this fight. But I will say, you know, as long as they're on their feet, I favor Loopy with the jab. Uh, the the constant just circling around. Um, you know, throwing some low kicks, pressing her forward, pushing her forward, uh, you know, working her to the cage, grinding her up a little bit, throw some knees in the clinch. I think that's going to be pretty much what she does here and, uh, and gets the 30, 27, maybe a 29, 28, possibly. I like it. Uh, I'll ride it. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to take me. that. I'm going to ride you, brother. Uh, Godinez decision plus 115. And now we keep it moving. Your boy, Roosevelt Roberts, getting in there after a tough, Tough showing on the uh, Ultimate Fighter. I uh, lost a split decision, which was that is just a close tough fight, way yeah. to. Yeah, I mean it was it, it was a very close fight. Uh, he, but he's still in the UFC, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, he exterminated Nate Jennerman. Uh, that that was a quick <laughs> and easy. <laughs> that uh, was bad, man. That poor fucker. This will be the first time we've seen him in the UFC since he got wheel kicked by Ignacio Bahamondes and got flatlined. So it'll be good to see him out there. He's fighting Matus Rebetsky. Is that is that how you uh, say that that gentleman's name? Yeah, I think it's Ren Betsky. Ren Betsky, that's just, right. There's that, no end. I, I remember that. We talked about that last time. He it's there's an end in there. He created an end in his name somewhere. <laughs> so, uh, your boy Roosevelt though is a big time dog here at plus five hundred, plus four eighty on some websites. We have a minus seven hundred to six fifty favorite for Ren Betsky. So. Ty, is there any real opportunity here for Roosevelt to kind of pull the upset? I mean, Renbetsky, he really just uh, just took Rajabov out last time uh, out there. Yeah, that was just, bad. Uh, Loic had no shot. He just worked him over uh, seemingly. It happened very quickly because I think I had the decision that time, which I, every time it seems like I bet decision, it doesn't hit. And then every time I bet inside the distance, it's like the greatest decision fight of all time that I should have seen coming. So I guess I'll read a couple lines for the people out there to maybe get a feel for what's going on. Rebetsky, uh his TKO is plus 165. His submission is plus 265. And his inside the distance is minus 188. So I guess, Ty, I'll ask you. I think TKO maybe. Uh, I, I mean, Rebetsky has nine TKO victories and six submission victories. And... What's it called? Roosevelt has, what, one submission loss and one TKO loss? So it's kind of really just up in the air here. Yeah, technically has one submission loss. Uh, Kevin Kroom standing guillotined him after knocking him down, but it got overturned to a no contest. Good. So sh- yeah. Fuck that guy. <laughs> also, Nate Jennerman fights, not this weekend, but next weekend on Anthony Pettis FC 9. 9? Yeah, I guess they have nine of these fucking things. Um. There's a guy on this fight on on that card. His name is Shane White Eagle. That's his last name, White Eagle. Um, yeah, it's his name. 
Uh, oh my god, his nickname is the the decapitative native. <laughs> I was about to ask you if he's that. Native American because that just I love that the decapitative native. Oh my Christ! Um, I gotta watch this fight. He fights Tyler Veal, my guy. TV Tyler Veal. Um, what a what a card! There's like 500 fights on this card. Uh, Nate Jerman is fighting Lashawn Alcox, who I believe has fought a bunch of guys that beat him. Right? Yeah. Sydney Outlaw, uh, Chepe Mariscal. So, Nate Jenneman, get back in the wing column, brother. We were all rooting for you on the, on the show when they gave us your sad life story, and then you got fucking flattened in eight seconds. But, um, yeah, that's that's probably uh, you know the way Roosevelt Roberts has always – his Achilles heel his whole career has been his submission grappling, his, his grappling in general, his defensive, defensive everything. His takedown defense was never even good. Even with he has a, I think a brown belt in BJJ, but he has some pretty good striking. He's pretty good on the outside. I like how he uses his distance management, his reach and height advantage, which he'll have here. But I just I don't think that's really going to be enough. I think um, the Predator. I didn't know that was his nickname. It's something. But um, I think Rimbetsky has him covered probably everywhere. I think he's a better striker. I think he's kind of solid everywhere. Uh, very explosive, good kicks, good hooks on the feet. Um, a little bit wild. Um, I remember he fought, what's the name? Everybody was giving him shit for fighting, uh, for beating, um, what was that guy's name? He 30, 24 him. Uh, Nick Fiore. Um, and I, I don't know. It, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad, but yeah, everybody wanted him to get the finish and this and that. They thought he was a bum. They thought he was a fraud. He's going to have to like to watch long man chokes. Cause I think that's something that Roberts can use. That's kind of like, it, it should be an advantage because when Rimbetsky has, better submission grappling. And I think the, the ground and pound Rembetsky has very solid ground and pound. He goes after it. Unlike, you know, guys like Jolton Almeida, um, he goes for it. And I think that's probably going to be, be the, be what does it here. I think the all around aggressiveness for Rembetsky, um, he, again, he's a little wild on the feet. I, I, I'm very eager to see how it plays out while they're standing. Cause again, it's been a while since we've seen Roberts, um, you know, in the UFC anyway, not on the contender series. Uh, and he is still only 29 for what it's worth. And I think he might be taking, uh, taking fighting more seriously than he ever has. Um, getting a third opportunity. He got a second chance in the contender series. Now he's getting a third chance in the UFC after losing, which is interesting. And that fight was what, seven, eight months ago. So I'm excited. I'm honestly excited to see him. I hope he gets a win. I do like Roosevelt Roberts, but, uh, you know, he was chatting shit with, uh, Conor McGregor. Love that. If you, if you put them in the cage together, I think we know what happens, right? So. Yeah, we do. Um, yeah, we do. Um, <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I don't know who's honestly, I think Rimbetsky should have him covered, but, um, like a decision. I think I wouldn't be surprised if he ground pound him or found a sub late, but, uh, I'm going to stay away. My official pick, though, is Rimbetsky. TKO. That's what I'm worried about. I don't know what prop to take here, so I'm probably going to stay away for the card. Uh, I would, I, you know what? I am going to take Rembetsky wins in round two plus four ten. That's going to be my bet here, because I don't think he's going to be able to get him out of there immediately. I think it's going to be the height advantage and the reach advantage is going to be a little bit tricky for him in the beginning, but. I think as he gets comfortable in this fight, he'll wear him down and get him out of there in round two. So I don't usually bet this kind of stuff, but it's it's a big fight night. So let's do it. 
What are we scared about? I almost threw up on my mic again, so this is not good. Uh, yeah, this coffee is really just – I got to stop drinking it. I got to give it's it up. It's doing something to you. Yeah. Uh, Nazim Sadigov. He's fighting Slava Claus. Vyacheslav? Vyacheslav? Borishev? Is that how you say the gentleman's name? Borshev, yeah. Eh, close enough, right? Plus 110 uh, to plus 105 to Sadikov's minus 122, 125. The last time we saw Sadikov out there, he was destroying Terrence McKinney in the second round after he was getting beat up. Or um, he didn't get beat up. He kind of just got controlled. He got knocked down, right? He got knocked down, and then he kind of just had got, back up. got his back like taken and was kind of just getting, like, you know, uh, hunting for submissions. He didn't get it. And then the second the second round started, it was like Terrence McKinney's, all of his powers had been zapped from him, and he had nothing yeah. left for him. So, uh, you know, Slava Claus is kind of a a little bit similar to Mr. McKinney in the sense that it's kind of like hell on wheels. It's really just a murder or bust sort of thing. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I just I don't have a real good feel for this fight. I would like to bet Slava Claus. But his, I mean, his win against Mahashate didn't really get it. Uh, we call that uh, one. Yeah, didn't really get me excited. So I, I don't know, yeah. Ty. What, what do you think here? Um, I think, I think Nazim has got to be careful. Remember, he fought uh, Evan Elder, got knocked down very early. Um, Terence McKinney. So it's it's weird. I thought I saw Terence McKinney was credited with a knockdown in that Sadikov fight. I, I guess maybe not. I don't know. Um, it, he took but, him down. Like he, he like I, I'm sure if you look, see the control time was probably yeah. So, you know, things get, it seems, seems like things get sketchy for Nazim a little early in the fight. And then he kind of turns up. Um, and he fought again, that Evan Elder fight was very solid, finished him off at the very, uh, and the beginning of the end of the third round, I, I guess I should say. Uh, the thing with Borshev is, uh, he, he's like a kickboxing guy, good counters, good power, right? He goes to the body really well. I think that's something that could hurt Sadikov. That could be an X factor of this fight. But as long as Nazim works his wrestling, works his grappling, uh, he works. He's with. Uh, is he with Longo and them or no? Who is Nazim Sadikov with? Is it? Is it? Is he injured? Yeah, he's, yeah, with, he's Log- with Longo and Weidman. Okay, that's what I thought. So hopefully he know. He, I mean, it should be very, very obvious. I know uh, Borshev is with Team Alpha Male, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't love the Alpha Male brand, if you will. Um, I, I just think Sadikov has a much better and smarter team, and they should prepare him well. All the all you have to do in this fight, take him down. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do against uh, a guy like Borshev. He got taken down twenty times combined against Mark Jacasey and Mike Davis. Um, Dakota Bush took him down twice. Chris Duncan took him down twice. So, and then he fights Ma, Ma, Yeah, Harry. The um, the only reason he didn't get taken down against Mahashate is because that guy can't take anybody down. You know, even me or you. So. Uh, and his takedown defense, Borshev's, I think thirty, yeah, thirty-five percent. Man, that's bad. Just, just, just. It's it's one thing to get taken down, but um, to not be able to stop any of them at all, or to not even really be able to work your way up from from them is is a bit different. I do like Sadikov here. I think he's been clipped a couple times. I think his, you know, he's well rounded, but his striking defense, you know, he doesn't want to get into a firefight with somebody like like Slava. Um, but he's got good grappling work, good clinch work, and uh, he he has to do what he did against McKinney, in my opinion, kind of survive that early storm and then just, uh, you know, drown him late. So, um, I don't know if there's really anything here. I'm going to take Sadikov. I'm not going to bet anything just cause it's kind of, uh, I'm not really sure. I like, kind of like last fight. I don't really have a great read or kind of like you said, I should say, 
I don't have a great read on this. Uh, they're both still, you know, working out their game. Sadikov's very young, 3-0. He hasn't lost in the UFC yet. That, that could happen any day. But I think he should play it safe here and get a win. Maybe uh, stop him late. I am going to, because I'm having fun today. I, I don't really care. My record can't really get any worse than it is at this point this year. Oh, it can't. Well, I mean, it can, but like, really, it's what I, I mean. I'm trying to win it all back to the tonight. So, I am going to bet Sadikov submission plus four twenty. Uh, he's never submitted anybody, or I'm I'm talking about uh, Borishev has never submitted anybody or been submitted. But if you look at his record, he hasn't really fought anyone in in his UFC career that was like a wrestling submission god. And it, you said Jacasey and Mar- Mike Davis had their way with him taking him down 20 combined times. So I am going to imagine that he kind of just gets overwhelmed here, gives up a submission, a neck, or gets beat up at some point. And inside the distance isn't a bad bet at plus 165, but let's take a shot down the field. Let's get a plus 425 for submission. 420, I'm sorry. 420, shout out, blaze up. But uh, Sadikov, 420. So blaze up. Let me write sure. I write down blaze up. Yeah, right. Now. <laughs> no, I'm just fucking around. But uh, yeah, I'm just fucking around. I'm just having some fun. Uh, plus 420. So is he really writing that down? He is writing it down. So we keep it moving, ladies and gentlemen. Jared Gordon. Well, shout out to whatever that was. Jared Flash Gordon. He's fighting Mark O'Madson. That's right, Mark O'Madson. The yeah. O is back, and I was gone. No, he's still the you know he's the Olympian. Okay. He's not. He got rid of the O. Uh, is that what that stands for? The Olympian. That's literally what he. Yeah, it's that's. Oh, it's, uh, never mind. Overguard is his middle name. Okay. Is that really what it means? Oh, it is. Wow, Mark Overguard Madsen. Wild name. The Olympian. So that's what he's calling himself from Denmark. He is coming off of a loss to Grant Dawson last year. Seems like he, he took a, a good amount of time off for whatever reason. Didn't have a scheduled fight or anything like that. Jared Gordon, the last time we saw him, he was getting uh, headbutted by Bobby Green, but things were not going his way before that anyway. So. And tried fighting again right after that. That was wild. Yeah, that was tough. Was he was Jim supposed Miller. to fight Jim Miller, right? Yeah, that's yeah. they kind of had to cancel that. They said, dude, take some time off. You're literally, you, you don't even know where you are right now. Uh <laughs> The line here is Jared Gordon around minus 200 to a plus 165, 170 for Mark Overgaard Madsen. So I, I don't I don't like this at all, Ty. I, I would I would lean Jared Gordon uh, decision maybe. Uh, I don't even know if he would be able to get him out of there, but I'm not going to bet anything on this. Yeah, Gordon really doesn't finish guys, right? No. Um, he gets finished himself. Durability is a huge, huge concern for him. Um, not that it isn't for Mark Madsen, but... Um, yeah, he is 39 years old, and I, I guess he has that Olympic-style wrestling, but I really want to know who the Olympic coach in Denmark is because he dropped Grant Dawson right away, off right off the rip. And uh, the way he lost to Mark Matt, uh, Grant Dawson was very uh, rudimentary, it looked like. like. It looked like he didn't have any wrestling pedigree, let alone a, an Olympic-style yeah. pedigree at all. So that was a really bad look, and it's been a year since then. I, I don't... I don't know what he has. I don't know what really there is. I mean, the win against Vince Michelle was pretty good, even though that, you know, he got outstruck cleanly. Uh, he outstruck Clay Guida, but also got eight takedowns against Mark, uh, Mark, Austin Hubbard. So it, it's just kind of a mixed bag of things with Mark Madsen. Uh, Jared Gordon's kind of the same way, though. Like, I, I don't know what we have with Jared Gordon. You know, I think he, like I said, he, he's been hit a lot. He's been knocked down a lot. He's been finished a, a lot. So I think his, his, 
there's a lot of concerns with both these guys. They're both older. They're both, you know, durability issues, both chinny. Uh, I think they both have solid wrestling all in all, or at least that's what they lean on. Um, you know, nobody really gets finishes. Last time Jared Gordon got a finish was what? Oh, man. 12 years ago. I'm sorry, 12 years ago. Um, I don't know why. Did I say 12 years ago? You did. Okay. I don't know why I said 2017? Yeah, that was 12 years ago? Seems like it. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I had that written down. I had that written down for a reason. What TKO? Happened? No. Was it a TKO the last time you got a TKO? No. I don't know what I, I, don't know what I did there. I probably his last wrote. sub. Yeah, who the fuck knows? I'm probably just oh, drunk when I wrote yeah, this. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but Jared Gordon, to me, seems like a, a poor man's Bilal Muhammad, in a way. He's just kind of solid everywhere, right? But uh, not great and kind of a tough guy to really – to really bet on. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to bet on anything here. I will say Mark, uh, Jared Gordon will, will push pace on you. He will expose you if you slow down, right? I think he's kind of a dog. I think he has that no quit mentality. And I think Mark Matson can be a little quitty quitter, quittery ish, if you will. Um, yeah, I just, I, I just think Matson's old. I think his, uh, wrestling is over, over, overrated. And, uh, you know, striking's improving, but, I don't know. This fight is just kind of there. If there's one fight that I would say, you know, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad if somebody got uh, fell ill or could, or maybe their Uber was late and they couldn't make it to the event. It would be this fight. Yeah, I, I mean, this is like the go get the pizza uh, sort yeah. of time. Somebody uh, roll the blunt. Yeah, do whatever you got to do business wise. I am going to take Gordon's uh, Gordon decision. Uh, I just kind of the more I look at this, it just screams decision because Marco Madsen's not exactly easy to get out of there. He doesn't quit but he does gas out and uh jared gordon i mean you're fighting chris fishgold danny chavez you know joe's the joe selecki one was kind of joe selecki gassed out he couldn't really get him out of there it was just a lot of filth on this thing and it's yeah i don't really yeah. feel great about that but it's uh i don't feel I, I there's really nothing else to bet and i just don't see this fight getting finished i, I don't see marco madsen getting finished i don't see jared gordon getting finished and i don't see marco madsen winning a decision so it's like really what else what other option do i have other than to bet i mean plus 30 is a good number hey the draw is always draw. an option so uh we got john castaneda getting back in there against uh this man who i have no idea how to say his name uh kung ho kong kung ho kong hey oh, come let's on go, baby. easy work the sexy mexi and mr perfect come on mr perfect uh let me see if i can pull up this guy's odds they have them all over the place and i found it baby plus 120 for mr perfect kung ho kong and uh we have minus 135 140 to john castaneda when was the last time Mr. Kong was in there? I believe I remember it oh, was Mr. Uh, Quinones. Was that a yep. overseas card, or was that that was at the Apex? I think it was in. Those was at the Apex. I think. Oh uh, well, yeah, yeah. It was at the Apex. The Prohashka, and that's what I was thinking about. Was the Bakary? Yeah, yeah, that was in Singapore. So, uh, yeah, he rear naked showed Quinones in or what the first round? Uh, yeah, he Christian got, he got and then he dropped him, and then he hopped on top of him. Yes. I had sub on that one, just saying. Shout out. Saying. I do remember you taking that. Uh, John Castaneda, he, he, he's coming off of what? A win against Gafarov, which he looked good I in, I think. I not that one either, also. Yeah. So, he got eliminated by Daniel Santos. Guys. I remember that was, that. That was bad. That was bad. That was bad. So, 
Uh, do we like anything here? I don't. I keep saying I don't want to bet stuff, and then I hear more information, and I look into it a little bit more, and I'm like, well, maybe this is a good bet here. Maybe this is, you know? And then uh, I don't like that this guy's kind of his finishes, his decisions, and his submissions and all are kind of equaled out, and Kung Ho Kong is 19-9. and nine. I never like seeing that on the record sheet, so I'm probably going to... Stay away from this. I don't know. Well, Castaneda wanted this to be a catchweight, so it is, if that helps you at all. Mm. I am going to take Kung Ho Kong Moneyline. I think he has what it takes to, to win the, the rounds, the minutes, the uh, standing exchanges. So these guys have a combined – let's see. Let me, let me word this right. John Castaneda has four knockdowns in his last four fights. Is that correct? I, uh, hopefully I have that correct, right? Once, Yeah, Okay. Yeah, um, and Kung Ho Kong has four in his last six. So, very active. Both guys hit hard. I think um, John Castaneda is low volume, much more lower than, than Kung Ho Kong. If you look at his fight's total, all his strikes, he hasn't really eclipsed 60 strikes landed in a fight once in the UFC. Castaneda has not. Kung Ho Kong has done that one, two, three times. So, he does have some finishes. He's more of a ground guy. Um, he has a bunch of subs. Um but he does like to brawl, and he does have good hand, you know, good power in his hands. Um, I think this is a much more tough matchup compared to some of his last, the last ones for Kung Ho Kong, um, or I, I should say, for um, John Castaneda. Um, I don't think Gafarov was really much of a threat no. to take him down to wrestle at all. Um, he kind of just outstruck him, and even that fight though, like I know he knocked him down. He got I think three takedowns, and he knocked him down in the first. But after that, it got a little sketchy. Gafarov won the second. The third round was very close. I was glad that Castaneda did get a couple takedowns to secure that third. But it, it was it was sketchy, and you know the the, the Willie Cat Santos fight, he got smoked. The Miles Johns fight, that was a great fight for for Castaneda. But you know we knew Miles Johns was a fraud. We've known that for a while, um, and. Um, you know, the thing with Kong is I'll say a lot of his fights are close. Um, so that kind of worries me. You know, if this goes to a decision, he loses a split, I'll be very upset, which is probably what's going to happen now. Um, but he's got good counter strikes. He's got really good movement to avoid big shots. I think he can be hit. I think he can be clipped. I don't want to say he's chinny, but uh, Christian Quinones chipped him up a little bit, caught him. Um, but he was able to bounce back right from that. Same thing when he fought, um, yeah, the fuck was his name? Teruto uh, Ishihara. He got knocked down, and then he got a knockdown and dusted him off with a rear naked choke. So I think Kong is somebody that maybe needs to wake up a little bit. You know, maybe you need to punch him in the face a couple times, and then he's like, all right, what are we doing? Let me uh, let me grip you up, wrestle, grapple. I don't think he's more of a, uh, you know, I don't think his takedown accuracy is great, but he goes for it, and he, you know, uses trips and different, uh, different ways to get to the ground. He's pretty good in the clinch. Um, he'll rock you, and if you drop to the ground, he'll, he, he loves the club and sub. Um, and I think that's that, that's what the, this is going to happen. I think that's going to happen in this fight. I think John Castaneda can be broken. I think he can be pressured. We've seen him multiple times with him before. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think Kung Ho Kong thinks it's a pretty good spot for him. I will say, if he uh, if he doesn't step on the gas, if he is low volume and kind of like plays into Castaneda's uh, you know, fight, he will lose the split decision. He, he, you know, he absolutely will. Uh, kind of like um, Gafarov did, even though that was a unanimous, it was very close. So, give me Kung Ho Kong money line. I'm not sure how he gets it done. I really want to take sub again. I think I might in my personal life, but just just to keep all of my uh, bases covered, I'm gonna go money line plus 115. I think he can land the better shots on the feet. I think he has all the fit, not all, but most of the finishing equity 
And I think he's, uh, yeah, like I said, I think he's just a little bit better, a little bit more ahead pretty much in every, uh, every department here. I kind of agree with you, and I am going to stay away because I don't trust either one of these guys. So uh, gotcha. good luck to everyone out there who decides to bet Very on fair. this. How about Joshua Van, Kevin Borjas? Uh, yeah, there's, uh, he's got quite a nickname, so, uh, I'm not going to say that. Yeah, that's, uh, plus 185, 180 for, uh, Mr. Borjas to Joshua Vans, minus 225, 230. Joshua Van looked great in his, I believe, was that his last fight that, uh, that we saw? He was a... His debut against, um, Salgas. Yeah, and he was the underdog? Salgas. Um, yeah, I think he was. I think uh, he was, too. Plus 170. And that was an afternoon card. I do remember this now because it was a one in Jacksonville. Yep, started at eleven thirty. Now it it always clicks back when I when I look at the card and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I remember this. <laughs> uh, listen, I like Joshua Van. I do not know if he's going to finish this gentleman. I don't know how this fight's going to go down. I think somebody's going to get clipped. Knocked out, excuse me, and I think I'm hoping it's going to be Kevin Borjas, and I think I might bet TKO, but I don't have it. Oh, no, here it is. It's plus 220. So do you think that's a good bet, Ty? Um, I think I'm going to go with um, – I think I'm going to go with Kevin Borjas. Okay. I think um, it, it's, it's really hard to predict. They both have one fight, right? Vans was in the UFC. Borjas was on the Contender Series, but Borjas fought a really good fighter. He was like plus four hundred or three hundred against Victor Diaz, who trains with um, uh, American Top Team. And uh, I, I saw oh, and I heard this fight. That's right. Uh, before that fight on the Contender Series, there was a bunch of people who were like, "Yeah, man." Apparently, at ATT, or we call it, we like to call ATT a little bit a different name, anabolic Top Team, if you will, but. Uh, all the guys at ATT say Victor Diaz is a stud. He fucking picks guys up, slams them, and um, it, it's just a killer in there. And he's 32, so I thought, you know, with the experience, the age, he probably smother Kevin uh, Borjas, and he did not. That was actually a very, very good showing from Borjas. And I think this fight's going to be a brawl. I think it's going to be an absolute slug him out, just you know, rock 'em, sock 'em robots. Neither of these guys want to get want, want to get to the fight. Wants to get the fight to the ground. Hello. Um, and when Boros fought Diaz, he was able to get up. He stuffed uh, seven to twelve of the takedowns. Um, he was able to work his way up. Uh, he wasn't control for too long after the first round. Um, he did really, really good work in that second round. Really in, in the second and third, uh, he he was just taken down a couple times in that third. So that kind of neutralized the advantage he had striking. But that's why he won the fight. Outstruck him cleanly in in two of the three rounds. So yeah, I think Borjas has good, clean striking. Um, you know, his regional scene was, was weak, but his, his win against Diaz showed that he really made huge steps. Again, he's only 25 years old. I think he's bigger than Joshua van right now, the same size. So, uh, Joshua van being 22 is a little, a little scary, right? You, you yeah. know, that, that rookie move is going to come out and it didn't, it didn't really happen against Zalgas. Uh, even though it was a close fight, I think he might've worn down, if I remember correctly, in that fight, right, he got off to a, a bad start. Joshua Van, and then yeah, so he, eh, he kept the he kept the pace, but Zalgas in that third round did throw a lot more, and and uh, Joshua Van started shooting for takedowns. So that's that's always a, a sign that you know guy doesn't really want to be. He got hurt, didn't he? Didn't Joshua Van get hurt badly at the end of the third round? That's why he went for a takedown. Uh, if he I did remember, get rocked because Zalgas 
Zagas just started coming out like a maniac because it kind of just wasn't going his way the entire time. Yeah. He was getting beat up pretty bad, but it, it was one of them fights where you're like, oh, he's got to get him out of here. I'm pretty sure I had TKO, and I was like, what the fuck, man? Like, is he not going to finish this fight? And he just, he didn't, and it wound up being not, a closer no. decision, so it was concerning, but it's still, I mean, he fought a vet, and he was able to outlast the 15 minutes, yeah. so that, that was encouraging for me. A vet who has many wives, so. Yeah. Um, I think Joshua Van kind of reminds me of like a Robbie Lawler style of fighting, right? Kind of a sprawl and brawl kind of guy. And I, I do like watching him fight. I do think he is, he can be good, especially at 125. He hits hard and he has good, good, just really good volume, even late in fights. But I like Kevin Borjas, man. I think the Peruvian scene is getting better. Jesus Pinedo in the PFL is a killer. Um, there's a couple guys on the contender series this year that were, that were Peruvian. I would love to go to Peru and fall in love with a beautiful Peruvian puff pepper. If you will, what? Um, <laughs> what? Yeah. did you just I'm, call I'm, what? <laughs> Drake and Josh, you never saw that episode of the nah. Peruvian puff pepper? Come on, nah, nah, the man. Peruvian puff pepper episode? No, nah, I was handicapping fights, man. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you were. <laughs> yeah, um, it hasn't helped. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> but I would love to fall in love with a nice little Peruvian woman. They have the best food in the world, apparently. So. Uh, but their fighting scene is—it was always kind of a joke, right? Everyone's like, "Oh, Peruvian fighter, this guy's—you know—he's fifteen and zero." But as soon as he fights in the UFC, he's going to look like he's zero and fifteen. Yeah. But that's changed a lot, honestly, in, in South America in general, uh, Ar- Argentina, Peru, and um, I'm trying to think of another country. But yeah, oh, but I think um, I like Borjas's like karate kind of striking. Uh, he's got good pressure to kind of go with Vance pressure, and he has good body shots. It's going to be the X factor here in this fight if he can work the body. I got Kevin Borjas' money line. Let me let me take a shot on him. I think plus 185, plus 200 in that neighborhood. I think that's solid. I'm going to fade the 22-year-old coming off of a big win. I think this is a possible letdown spot for Joshua Van. I think you're getting a good number, too. I mean, it's, what, plus, plus 200 you can get on FanDuel right now, so... Just give me to a split. You know, if we lose, yeah, I'll be pissed, but I'll feel like I was on the right side of history. So I like that. Uh, and we have the first fight of the night, the last fight we are going to talk about. Dennis Bazook, Bazookja? Bazookja? Is that how you say it, guys? Uh, uh, it's pronounced... I, I forget. Um, <laughs> it's it's not pronounced how it's spelled, that's for sure. It's, okay. Uh, I don't know what it is. I, I just heard it. Now I can't get it. I can't get it back to come. Well, I got nothing for you, people. Dennis is fighting. Dennis the Menace. Uh, Dennis the Great, actually, which is he would just I would just be the Menace if I was Dennis. But oh uh, yeah, fighting Jamal Emmers. Jamal Emmers kind of buried here on the prelims uh, after a split decision loss to Jack Jenkins. Thought That'll he looked pretty it. good in that. But, I thought he won that also. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought too. Uh, what do you like anything here? I'm trying to look. We have a minus two seventy five, two eighty for Jamal Emmers. Uh, Dennis came on at the end of his fight against, uh, which who was I? Who did I just say? Uh, Sean Woodson. Sean Woodson. That's right. He started to uh, make a little, like, stage a little bit of a comeback in that fight, but it was too little, too late. And Sean Woodson. Short was, notice, I think. Yeah, he it took was. that on too. It was. Uh, uh, do you like anything here? I don't. I probably gonna stay away. Uh, yeah. I took Van TKO. By the way, I, I don't know if I told everyone. All right. Heard that? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, Ember should be the guy, right? He he he's a big. It's a big number, and I don't trust him. He's a, he he's like one of those talented flakes, you know. Four of his seven losses, he's been finished. Um, you know, he he tried to work out of a heel hook by throwing a toe hold on, on Pat Sabatini. That was just a bad mistake. That didn't work. 
Um, he got into a split with Jack Jenkins, the Ashkabal fight, you know, the Vince Cachero fight. I, we, we just want to see more from him. We, we've always wanted to see more. When he came over to the UFC, he was getting all finishes. That's all he was doing. Uh, Rafael Barbosa, Jay Cuccinello, these guys were pretty decent prospects. Even Kyle Machado, and he was finishing all of them. So uh, he, he fought Corey Sanhagen a while ago, beat him. So I think he leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, also has those dur- durability questions. He's not getting any younger, 34. Um, good leg kicks, high pace. You can always rely on that college wrestling background. Uh, again, I think his talent's through the roof, but he's, he's just very inconsistent. You know, Two TK losses, two sub losses, three decision losses. You never know what you're going to get from him. Uh, Dennis Bazooka, he's, I just think, mid. I just think yeah. he's very mid. You know, like, I, I, you know, he trains with Wyman and Longo, but I think he's just, you know, somebody for them to, to wrestle and take down and beat up. <laughs> um, you know, that wrestling and grappling is his go-to, is what it's supposed to be. Yet, Sean Woodson, of all people, was able to just have his way with him. Take him down and control him. And uh, I know he came he came in on a short notice against Woodson, and he did miss weight, and he did get taken down four times. Just not a lot to write home about in that fight. 30-27 across the board. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think he's really UFC caliber, honestly, to be completely honest. The contender, he lost in contender, contender series to Melsic, who's a big fraud, and then he beat a fellow who I, you know, did, he, that wasn't an inspiring win against Calio Romero, so... Yeah, give me uh, Jamal Emmer's. Uh, how does he get most of his wins? It's I guess all they're over. all split too. Yeah, um, probably a decision. You know, maybe he's going to knock him down and get a ten eight round or something. But I think feel like Jamal Emmer's. I don't know what it is lately, but he definitely needs a big win here. This is something he needs badly. He's been kind of alternating wins and losses lately since he, really, really since he got to the UFC. So yeah, give me Jamal Emmer's, Emmer's by uh, maybe a TKO late. I think he does have good power and speed, but. Hopefully he can carry it, uh, carry it into this fight. And that is the Shoulder Strikes MMA podcast. Is there any boxing? That is UFC 295. We uh, we will be in Madison Square Garden this weekend. So we... The Mecca is what people have told me. I yes. think it just looks like a glorified ballroom, but uh, that's just me. You know, Maybe I'm just hating a little bit. Um, yeah, it doesn't look like there's much boxing going on this weekend. Uh, Jose San Martin is getting back in there. He's, he's an older fellow. That's not really... Uh, Superiel Matias is, is fighting this weekend. I did not know that. Nothing, just no, no big fight really to get you to get you up in the morning, if you will. Uh, Callum Walsh is fighting a big, a big prospect from Cork, Ireland. Cork. All right. Um, I think he's a. Uh, I don't know if he's a heavyweight. Callum Ali Walsh. All right. Yeah. Looking forward to it. <laughs> His nickname is King. So. Uh, only you know he's fighting Ismail is is my Ishmael Villarreal, who's a pretty decent uh, journeyman. Only has one loss, but it was a split to Andreal Holmes. Uh, all are Andreal Holmes. So we'll see what happens there. That's going to be on. I think. I think. Let me get this correct. I think it was. Um, all right. Now everything's freezing. Let's say I think it was on like Fight Pass. Yeah, it is. Okay. So. Nothing crazy. No, no boxing really to talk about, even though I just talked about it. Um, I guess the rest of this month is going to slow down, but we're getting the last Showtime fight ever uh, in November. Actually, or no, in December. Is that Benavidez? Yeah, it's been, I, I think that actually might be at the end of this month. I'm kind of all turned around with my boxing. I kind of t- took a, you know, you take a week or two off, and then you're like, oh, fuck, this, this fight's happening? Yeah, well, the 25th, Benavidez and Demetrius Andrade. That should be a really good fight. 
uh, Andrade, Chantel Cameron, Katie Taylor also that same day in Dublin. Let's see if Katie Taylor can get a win. But, yeah, that's about it. So, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, that has been the Shoulder Strikes MMA podcast brought to you by the Hot Take Hotbox. My name is Matt McSweeney. I'm Ty Capone. And, ladies and gentlemen, as always, make sure you ice your beer at around 3 o'clock if you plan on drinking at 6 o'clock. Enjoy the fights, and uh, go Alex Pereira. Go Poeton. <laughs>